Welcome to Give a Heck. I am your host, Dwight Heck, and for much of my life, lived my life in quiet desperation, wondering how I was going to pay the bills, take vacations, save for retirement, and one day wondering if I would get off the hamster wheel of life and have purpose. A life that most of society lives, which takes us to work, then home, then repeat, and pays us hopefully enough just to survive. The harsh truth that most live with more month than money and have no idea how to live life on purpose, not by accident. This ensures the mass majority are living not just financially broke, however emotionally and mentally as well due to financial pressures. In each episode, I will introduce you to thoughts, ideas, and guests that can help you to learn how you too can live life on purpose, not by accident. Good day and welcome to Give a Heck. On today's show, I welcome Elizabeth Thomas with over 30 years of experience creating successful advertising and public relations campaigns. And as an award-winning producer, LB Thomas continues to be regarded as one of the most respected women in her field. Her pathway to success was not always easy. Due to her divorce, she lost her home and her business. She was devastated and didn't think it could get any worse, but it did. Her mom passed away as she was preparing to close on her home. All this destroyed her confidence and belief in herself. Through the struggles, she uncovered the deep-seated fears that were sabotaging her life. Her courage and determination not only turned a spotlight on those fears, but she also turned her tragedies into triumphs. Albie inspires audience to dig deep, to uncover their inner strength, and power to create their best lives now. I'd like to welcome you to the show, Albie. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on and share with us some of your life journey. Well, I am thrilled to be here. I enjoyed listening to some of your podcasts and your bio and our conversations. So thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much. I am looking forward to this. As I was saying before we started recording, um, your story is, I, I don't know a lot about it. I'm looking forward to learning more, but it's unique because you've decided to not let life hold you back and rise above the noise. And I'm certain that your story and your program, at least the one we're going to discuss, probably others as well, can help a lot of people. So it's important that we, we bring this attention to the world. So I, I'm glad you agreed to come on. So LB, one of the things that I really focus on on my podcast, and and I consider it unique because a lot of people, I've been on lots of podcasts myself, I've listened to a ton. Over the last almost year of hosting this show, I focus on people's origin story. And it's not just the mm-hmm. origin of you from, you know, I graduated school or I did this business and I'm slaying it. No, I want to know exactly your earliest recollections and the connections of things that happened from your childhood all the way to adulthood, because it really is the catalyst to who we are today from learned behaviors in school, from our parents, our friends, our peers. It's important for listeners, the people listening or watching to understand that we all are so similar. We all have heartaches and trials and vulnerability is key. So if you could do me a favor, LB, tell me your origin story and what key things from your childhood to adulthood led you to where you're at currently? Hmm. Yeah, I listened to you um, ask that question and so uh, to, on, to other guests. So I was like, how am I going to answer that? And I guess just um, I was born in Michigan. Well, to start there, I'm a Michigander. So I do miss the snow and cold and leaves changing as I live in Austin now. And I am the youngest of... Uh, four siblings. And we, we lived in Michigan. I was born in Gross Point. And then my parents, we moved to Florida, to Boca Raton, Florida. And that's where my parents got a divorce. And I was five or six at the time. And we moved back. My mom moved us back to Michigan. My dad stayed in Florida. My mom remarried. My father remarried. And we stayed, we stayed in I was in Michigan until I was 25 years old, but I was going back and forth to Florida. We would go down and visit my dad. So we were kind of, we weren't joint custody, but summers, uh, Christmases, as as much as we could with my dad and my stepmom and my stepsister. And my mom, when my mom remarried, we, 
I'm trying to think. I was the, I was four years younger than my brothers and sisters. So I was the last one home. So a lot of what they went through as teenagers, I was a little unaware of just because I was a kid riding my bike and, and not really paying attention. And then everybody was out of the house when I entered high school. So I kind of had my own little bubble of my mom and my stepdad and in Stevensville, Michigan. And then went up to college in Traverse City, Michigan, and then to Central. And then I had the opportunity to go to school at Lee Strasberg School of Dramatic Arts, which was very cool in New York City. And did some work there and modeling. I, I worked at the Essex House as a cocktail waitress. That was all kind of fun and cool. And I was 21 at the time. And if my daughter, who's now 28, would say, I want to go live in New York at 21, I'd be like, no, <laughs> you know, but did it, had a ball and then um, married, which got me back to, to, to Michigan. So then I, so I've been everywhere. It sounds like I was a witness protection program. Then down to North Carolina, resorts of Pinehurst. And I have to admit, when I worked at the resorts of Pinehurst and, um, North Carolina, I was my father's favorite child because he could play golf on any of the seven golf courses. So I was the favorite during that time. And, um, and then I married a Texan and which got me out to, to Austin, Texas. So, and I have three kids. My, my oldest is a NICU nurse and loves working with little baby humans, as she says. And then my, I have a son who's 29 and a daughter 28 and four grandchildren. So I have had a diverse, crazy background. My, my life has always been in advertising, marketing, speaking. I started, I actually started speaking on customer service and team building back in the eighties and early nineties. And then when I got to Austin, I was pregnant. Uh, we moved here. I was pregnant and the traveling, I had so much morning sickness, traveling in a plane and going, speaking at groups. You speak, so you know the, the, all of that goes into it. Be pregnant, morning sickness, and eating Cheerios while you're speaking. It was not fun. So I, I was hired by, I met the general manager of the ABC station here in Austin. And she hired me as the creative services director, which is actually marketing. And I was the marketing director for a few years. And it just wasn't my thing. I, I'd never worked for a corporation before and I didn't know how to play the game. And I don't know if you've ever worked in companies before, but I loved KVU. I still love KVU, but I didn't know how to play the corporate stuff. So I left, went back on my own and had a couple different jobs, but during that time was bitten by the production bug. So I started working in production uh, working on films, working, doing TV commercials. And from that, we did some work for GSDNM, which is the largest advertising agency in Texas. And we did some production work for them. And the G in GSDNM said, you should be an agency. You're so creative. And I was like, no, I have ADD, man. If I, I, I got to focus, otherwise I'm all over the place. And he started referring to us business, even though we weren't an agency. And out of that, then we became a, an agency because they just kept sending us business that was really fun and unique. And that was what brought me up to being in business with my husband and the advertising agency, which then the next part of the story <laughs> happens. Yeah. So, so I've been kind of all over the map, but always in the creative acting, modeling, marketing, the creative side, speaking. And you and I earlier, when we were talking, um, you said something about um, being a hypocrite speaking. I think that's what we were talking about. And when I was in my 30s speaking, I felt like that because I didn't have the experience of really what I was talking about. I was really good at it and I did a good job. And then my life happened. The best, the worst thing and the best thing all rolled into one. So now I really feel like I have a story to share uh, wow. and help. And a great yeah. story because yeah. life happens for us, not to us is one of the biggest things we need to program into our, our mindset is that repetitious thought process. So we don't have that boo-hoo-woo-hoo. Doesn't mean right. we don't go through it. 
even today, you, LB, you could probably still go through that and have those moments. Um, and we can discuss that throughout the, throughout, uh, uh, our conversation, but I literally work on the fact that and tell myself daily that life happens for me, not to me. And that today is the present. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm not going to, I don't have bad days anymore. I've worked mm-hmm. hard on that. I coach people on it. And it's something that you can teach somebody in such a short period of time and how to avoid living the valley of despair through a whole work yeah. day or a whole weekend day. It doesn't yeah. mean that we're perfect. It means we just acknowledge, right? we acknowledge where we're right. coming from. So your story is all about acknowledgement of where you've been, where right. you're going. And I admire that, right? You, you've gone through a lot, especially... I, I, one of the things that I'm kind of curious about, because I do have other people that have gone through this too, when your parents split and you were still uh, in Michigan and your dad was in Florida, you know, of course you had your stepdad. How did that affect you? Do you think that affected much of who you became mm-hmm. as an adult? Yeah, I don't blame my mom and dad because I I finally got to the point where I don't know if I ever really did blame them because I think we all do the best we can with the tools we have as parents. And so, yes, I wanted to be loved. So if we're going way down to transparency, I wanted to be loved. I wanted my dad to love me. I wanted to be with my dad. Um, and why does I, he live closer to me? Stuff why, like that. Yeah. Why does he live closer? Um, and I know I, I actually listened to um, your podcast with Karen. I can't think of her last name. The one that was talking about being 50 and turning 50. And she, when she was younger, wanted to be liked by guys and fit in was drugs and that kind of oh thing. Oh my gosh. Cause I've interviewed like three different yeah. Karens. Well, <laughs> I I it could have been Karen Thimer. It could have been, Oh well, my God. It was the one that was talking about 50, the best years are coming yet. And that type of thing. Yeah. So anyway, but it was interesting. Cause I was wondering where she was going to go with that statement and mine. I just, I was, I was, I was looking, I wanted to be loved. And I, I laugh because I've told some girl, friends the other day that, I should get a t-shirt that said, I wanted to marry so badly. I married so badly. You know, I just, <laughs> that, right? would be, I, that would be such a unique marketing item. I like, know. So, oh my gosh. I love that. that and you know how so many funny. people, I, and actually I've said that a couple of times and people keep saying to me, I should do that. I should put that on a t-shirt and I know it, I, I should make a note of that and I'm going to. I would, because that is so how many it, people could I, I like to the that? fact the way that you start it and then it, it it kind of flips and it's it's a disruptive thing which is a good thing that's part of the problem is where our our thought processes aren't disrupted enough and if you had that on print and somebody read that or or even verbally I I, I felt how my body energy changed it made me <laughs> smile so that's that's a great, that's a great thing. Yeah. So yes, I, you, marry, I would I definitely marry so badly. I married so bad. That'd be a great coffee cup. <laughs> oh my gosh. That would be amazing. <laughs> or, you know, you could, oh, there's so many places you could go with that. But so I'm going to copy that, write that. I'm going to copy because I know you like you're, you're seen around in the globe. So I'm going to copyright it and t- trademark it today. So I can get well, that. It's, make it, it it's, it's verbally, you've talked about it now. So if ever anything happened, you could use it. Okay. Okay. You've talked about it, right? Cool. There you go. Doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that it won't be a challenge. Like even myself with my um, brand give a heck um, with the pandemic, the trademarking process right now is just absolutely crazy. Yeah. I hear everything um, so backed up. Oh, a couple of years. It's already been over wow. a year and I still wow. haven't heard anything. The application went through because I did it through a trademark attorney, but uh, yeah. And, and how to live life on purpose, not by accident, depending on what your yeah. phrase is, depending on the words, you can't even do You can't even trademark it. Right. So, um, yeah, it, it, you can try. doesn't mean you'll be successful, but regardless, good on you. I love that. Good. <laughs> that is great. So, so that's, that's kind of my story. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, like, I like your story. It's, it's, it's unique. You talked about one of your children being a NICU nurse. My daughter, literally 10 minutes before our call, got in her car and drove. She lives three hours south of me in Calgary. Um, and she's she's a RN. She's a nurse. But she, unfortunately, isn't working with the cute little babies or anything yeah. like that. And at NICU, she's working in the COVID unit. Oh, 
watching people die, holding their hands and suffering, God bless her. suffering, wow. yeah, suffering massive PTSD because she graduated January, 2020 and got thrown into that. Right. So she took, you know, and you feel she literally, she literally couldn't even take 48 hours off. Right. She literally showed up right. Sunday late, went and seen a bunch of my grandkids and her sister. And then we spent some time together last night and she had to leave because she works at one thirty. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, so I well, resonated I, I was, when you said that about I, your daughter. I do. Being a nurse. Well, and, and one of the things about the COVID, my brother right now is been a month with COVID pneumonia. He's still isolated in the hospital in, wow, in, in Illinois. But where I'm going with your daughter is that it's heartbreaking because as my daughter was sharing, nurses want to be there to care and they can't. They can't go in. They can't hold the hands. They can't touch. They have to stand at the door. Actually, so, she has been holding hands good now. Good for her. Good for her. So she's. But the problem is, is the PPE, she's fully gowned. Right. She's got an N100, not an N95. She's got the complete sealed mask. She has to have a complete face shield. All they're seeing in their eyes and she's held people's hands that have passed away from. And, and, and they're it, alone. It, it's, it, it's, 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 oh, the listeners, this is going to be sensitive. I'm sorry, but I will tell you one of the things that broke my heart the most was here recently, about four or five weeks ago, she reached out to me. She does quite often, not as much as she used to, because, uh, um, you know, it's just traumatizing for her. And she literally about an hour before a gentleman passed away, she actually posted about it. It went viral as a nurse. It's gone viral. It's been shared and viewed 150 or 200,000 times. And it's, it's, she shared it on Instagram and I forget what other platform. And it talks about the fact how her, um, the husband and the, and the daughter said goodbye to their dad, husband over FaceTime. And he passed mm -hmm. away shortly after. And, and my daughter was there throughout the whole thing. God bless her. So the people listening, yep. you can believe what you want to believe. Masks, no masks, vax, no vax. The virus is real. I, it's not made up. I'm not here to blow sunshine up anybody's butt. It, it, it is real. It, it is devastating. But don't stop living life. Just yep. appreciate the people that are around you. Continue to create great memories. Love on those that love you and give it live reciprocal. Life. Yeah, yeah, live life, big. Life's in session. This is yes. not a dress rehearsal. That's right. Right. So I really appreciated that. I enjoyed listening to your, your story. You're a great storyteller, by the way. Thank you. Nobody's told you that. So, uh, you know, that's, this is why I talk about the origin story so that people can connect to you. They may not be watching this, but just listening to it, a, a good podcast, I can listen to it and I feel connected to the host and I feel connected to the, mm -hmm. to the, to the guest or guests. So thank you so much for that. So LB, Many people in your life are devastated just to lose a business. However, in a four-month span, you lost your yeah. business, your home, as well as your mom. What was going through your mind through this period, and what did you do to rise above it? It sucked. I'll just tell you that right now. Um, I know I can be honest on this. Absolutely. It completely sucked. So in the end of April, early May, well, like I said, the, 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 the house of cards were falling um, and what, what happened is during my divorce, it came up that there was three years of personal taxes that weren't filed, three years. And I don't know what it's like in Canada, but in the United States, it, there's interest and penalty daily. Yeah. Your finance guy. <laughs> it wasn't I've been there. Business. Even as a finance guy, okay. I've been where okay. you're talking about. Yeah. So and, I, I, I feel you. I do. Yes. It's. And it wasn't on our business, it was personal. So that there was a lien on the house. Um, during the divorce, my ex pleaded hardship. So then the, the agency was crushing it. We're a seven-figure agency. We were doing uh, red carpet junk junkets with celebrities. We were, you know, we're one of the top agencies in Austin, Texas, did international work. I mean, we were rocking it. So people, people would say to me, well, why didn't you just go get new business? There is no friggin' way. My self-esteem, my 
feeling of self-worth had was so shattered. And I knew what was happening behind the scenes with the money of the IRS going, well, we'll take that and we'll take that and we'll take that. Even though it wasn't my money, it was media buys. It was client money. It was, it was through my name. And I, there's in good conscience, I could not bring somebody on knowing what was inevitably going to happen. Evidently, you know, the word uh, yes, was going yes, to happen. Absolutely. So, so the end of April, early May, luckily in Texas, I didn't have to file bankruptcy. I met with a great lawyer that said, you can dissolve the business. So I didn't have to declare bankruptcy, which was huge, but dissolve the business. And I had to finally face all my clients, all my station reps, and tell them what was going on. And that was the hardest because I said earlier that my identity was my business. You know, it was like, what are people going to think? What are they going to say? I've got employees, I've got clients, I've got, what am I going to do? And it was awesome. Every single one was so amazingly supportive, except one station was very angry and very negative and actually went to one of my clients and was like, can you believe that she's leaving us in a lurch for $20,000? I owed a lot of money, but a, a little bit to everybody, you yeah, know, the media. Yeah, I get it. And this, my client was awesome. He said to her, it's not like she's taking the money and going to Mexico. She's homeless. She's lost everything. Give her a friggin' break. Yeah. And I was so grateful that the clients were so extremely supportive. And I think that I believe that's because we had done such good work and we were really honest and, and just were, were a good agency and good people and had great relationships. I had some clients for 18 years. So they knew what our heart was, what my heart was. So anyway, dissolve the business, then um, had to sell the house to pay off the final part of the IRS debt. And it was the house the kids, you know, we'd lived in for 18 years and, and that was the house. And the closing on the house was in August and my mom died in July. And it was like, my sister called and I was like, I mean, I was devastated, but I was like, oh my God. I mean, most people, they say, you know, you need one thing in a year for stress. I just, it was like back, back, back. So people asked me if I was, depressed and I'm not a depressed person. So I was never able to really understand to get in the mind of somebody depressed. I never, it's just not my, who I've been. And I said, no, I don't think so. Even though I cried all the time. And, and then I called her back and said, well, is depressed. When some ask you, somebody asks you how you are, you cry, you on your way home, you stop and get a bottle of wine and you don't have any money. So it's the crappy wine at the, on the bottom shelf, not even good wine and crawl in bed and drink a bottle every night. Cause if that's depressed, then Take yeah, me. Uh, it's me. Yeah. I'm it. So I, I drank my way through it. Not, not like to where I couldn't get up in the morning, but I just wanted to numb myself. And I, I was angry with God. I remember laying in my bed, just putting my fist up in the air saying, you son of a, are you kidding me? You know, after everything I do and help and give, and I don't know if you are a Bible person, if you, I'm a, yeah, I'm a, I'm a active Christian. Yeah. Okay. So there was a point where I, I laid in bed and I thought, why can't I be like Job? What is wrong with me? Why can't I have the faith of Job? And then I was talking about the Sunday school. Bible story of Job. And then I realized I'd never actually read Job in the Old Testament. So I opened up and read it and I went, oh, Job was really pissed. <laughs> okay. He wasn't happy the whole time. He was mad, which gave me, it's okay to be mad. I'm a human being. My life just fell apart. It's okay. It's okay to grieve. And I think Dwight, that was one of the biggest things I did is I gave myself a moment to grieve some time to grieve of losing everything. And people would say in good conscience and good trying to be nice, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You oh, can I do hate it. that statement. Oh. oh, that's just like nails in a chalkboard when people say pull yours. Like, oh, and I used to be one of those people until I realized yeah. how dumb that cliche is or those statements that yeah. we utilize in life to 
justify behavior or lack of behavior. Yeah, Yeah, it's okay. And if I had, this was, I think is a key thing for me. If I had, if I would have put that mask back on that everything was okay, which what I had been doing for a couple of years leading up to that, because I didn't want the world to know what was happening. I would have just shoved it down and it would have come out somewhere, somehow else. So I allowed myself to grieve, but then there was a point in time that I said, that's it. It's time to get up because again, it's not, it's go through the valley of the shadow, shadow of death or shadow valley of death, whatever it is. It's not stop, hang out. It's you go through it. And so I knew if I stayed there, if I wallowed in my pity, and if I kept telling the story over and over again, because I would tell everybody to get validation that, oh, you poor thing. If we stay there, we don't rise above it. As you say, we've got to say, I'm done. I'm done. And I had to draw the line in the sand because I did not like what, who I was and what I was becoming. I was sad. I was angry. And the point that I was able to rise above it, and I'll never forget it, is when I stopped blaming everybody else. There was a point where I said, what have I done? What's my responsibility in this? It can't be everybody else's fault. And that was the turning point for me. Yeah, wow. It's so true, though. We have to... Like they say, the old saying, and you know, when you're pointing at somebody, three fingers are pointing back and the realization that we are the master of our own future and destiny of what's going to happen. And yes, what's around us certainly affects us and can change our course if we allow it. Some of it, it's impossible to change and we just have to learn to you know, go around it or, or through it or however case may be, but you've been through, that was a, that was a tremendous amount. I couldn't even imagine, you know, losing your, your business and excuse me, losing your business and your clients, you know, one client defending you is, is fantastic. But what you realize though, is what you meant to people besides what you offered as a service. Right. right. So that was nice to hear. Um, yeah, some of the stations offered me jobs, but wow. my head, yeah, my head was not, I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it, but I was so grateful. D.R. Horton, who is still a client and D.R. Horton is a home builder here in America. And we handled the central Texas and I called them and told them what was going on. And they were like, okay. And I said, so I'm no longer an agency. And they said, oh, we under- got it. We understand. We are so sorry. And then two months went by and the holidays were coming up and they called and said, Hey, our holiday campaign is coming up. So this is what we're thinking. And I said, I'm, I'm not an agency. Remember, I, I, I can't be an agency in Austin. And they were like, okay, but we'll figure it out. So, Hey, so what we want is, and they just kept going with me. And so one of my key people within my agency opened a media buying service. So I did creative and she does the media buying because I can't buy media in the market because I owed people money. But it was awesome that, and I had several clients that just kept saying, okay, what's next? How do we make this work? And that was tremendous. Because, tremendous. yeah, because you had surrounded yourself with unintentionally, because we really, really, it's not intentional, but we uninten- you unintentionally realized that you have people that have empathy. And they're willing to not just be going, oh, LB, that's so sad. They're <laughs> actually, you know what, LB, that's okay. Let's move forward. Yeah, life, right? life figure, happens. Life yeah. Hap- yeah, let's let's figure this out, right? Yeah. Life happens for us, not to us. So what can we do to still utilize your awesome talent? Yeah. Right? It all, it's what we tell ourselves. And the, re- the actions of others prove that to you, which is phenomenal. I appreciate that. Um, and, I, and, you know, I resonated with the fact of, of uh, <clears throat> angry at God. I hear that a lot. I hear that, especially through normally we don't hear enough people praising God, but they sure are quick to assault God and the name of God and, and everything that God stands for when they're hurting. Right. Right. 
I have clients, their family passes, a member passes away, whether it's natural or a tragedy or whatever. And the first thing they're doing is why God? And they're blaming God, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? People right. are always looking for an outlet then right. to just look at things and go, this is really shitty. This sucks that this happened, but it, it, <laughs> it is what it is. It happened. It is it is. This person died. This car mm -hmm. accident happened. They died or whatever. And hopefully we have enough people around us in our lives, no matter what that is, even the tragedy of losing a business, that's a death in itself. Right. Mm -hmm. And you go through that grieving cycle and that's what you went through and good for you for rising above it. And, you, you. and that you realize you're welcome and that you realized you had to give yourself time to grieve because grief is a cycle mm -hmm. for the listeners and people watching. I've researched and gone through the grief cycle numerous times from, I still remember having to list, list down and think to myself, what am I going through? And this is when I went, went through my own um, marital breakup and then leading forward, as I told you, becoming a single dad of my kids to losing one of my granddaughters four years ago to, to her passing away at four years of age. And I'm still in the grieving cycle of that. I don't know if I'll ever get out of that grieving cycle because I think of her every single day. I was extremely close to her. So I think we're going to go through this the rest of our lives. But the more we're um, aware, self-awareness is so weak in our society. We're, we're, we don't even realize, I ask people if they even know what self-awareness is and they give you a half baked answer. Yeah, like what? They, really, yeah. they really don't know. But being self-aware is empowering yourself. It's empowering mm -hmm. yourself to understand it's okay. You're going to hit those valleys of, this, of despairs. Do you have enough things in your toolbox to change your state? Do you have enough people, associations of proper books, what you listen to, who you talk to, to help you level up and move above it so that you can get through that grief cycle? Because it's really tough when you're doing it on your own to get through that grief cycle. It really is. And luckily, I had an amazing support group of friends and family that believed in me when I didn't believe in me. Well, and, that's fantastic. That's great to hear. Yeah. And that was a big thing. And, and, you know, you were talking about, you know, so the self-awareness. When I started really listening to what I was saying to myself, I was horrified. What I would say in my head, I, I would say things to myself that I would never say to another human being. And I started thinking, why in the world are you doing that? And that was another real big self-awareness, self-actualization self of what was going on in my head. And that's when I started figuring out that I had these fears that I had to figure out were, um, and my two big ones were I wasn't good enough and I wasn't worthy, you know? And when I peeled away the onion of why am I doing, why did I allow this to happen? Why didn't I stand up for myself, stand up for the business, say no when I should have said no, say yes, pushed back. I wasn't good enough in my brain. And anyway, so once I, but I didn't know that's what was happening. It was going on in the back, in the, it was in the background. It was like a little piranha eating away at my, at my head, my brain. And once I discovered that and realized the words I was saying, I'm an idiot. How stupid are you? You know, I mean, whatever I was saying to myself, wow, once I was conscious of it, that's when you're able to change it. It's when you're not, we were talking about earlier, we're sleepwalking. We're not paying attention. We're not living our life on purpose. We're letting things just happen to us. When I became very conscious of what I was saying to myself, again, that was a major pivotal point. And the minute I would start, start down that path, I would catch myself. I called it like I had an antenna up, really listening. And I would change what I said. And Dwight, I don't remember the last time I said something negative to myself. The last time I beat myself up, the last time I called myself an idiot or how stupid could you be? I don't remember. Because I actively said, I've got to stop this. You know, I've got to change person it. has to. And one of yeah. the things that I've learned recently, well, not recently, years ago, actually, but I've become more cognizant of it and, and communicating with people about it. When I hear people doing, you know, that self-deprecating talk where they're cutting themselves down or they'll say it out louder, oh, 
I'm not very good at this or I'm overweight or, you know, Oh, I'm just stupid. I'm sorry. I asked that or whatever. And I've started, depending on the circumstance, you got to be sensitive to it. I'll look at people and say, well, you know, or I'll, I've even reached out to people after the fact and said, well, you, you know, you said this the other day, or you just, or I'm in an active conversation. You just said this about yourself. Can I ask you a question? Pause, get acknowledgement. Yeah, sure. What? Would you say that to a friend or a family member? Well, absolutely not. Did you say it to me? No, absolutely not. You wouldn't say, so then why do you say it to yourself? And it's, it's, it's that back to that, you know, self-awareness, that realization. So sometimes we need to have people that are willing to be compassionately blunt Mm -hmm. with us to trigger Mm -hmm. us, to continue to rise above the noise of life. You're right. Because sometimes we don't even know we're doing it. It's such a habit. You know, I'm an affirm believer in is what we think about comes about. I know that's a, you know, a slang saying, but you think about it, it is, yeah. you know, if I keep saying I'm an idiot, I'm not going to succeed. I'm never going to find the right guy. Well, guess what? I'm going to look for things to support that. You know, it just happens. And so it is, it's being compassion, compassionate and pointing things out lovingly, of course, but it is amazing what we say to ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. So. LB, you have a program called Outwitting Fear. Can you tell the listeners what occurred in your life to bring this program to light and what is the foundation of it? Outwitting Fear. Somebody asked me the other day, actually, what I thought was interesting. They said, I've never heard of outwitting fear. I've always heard of um, overcoming fear. They said, what is the difference? And I was like, oh, that's a good question. No one's ever asked me that. I said, because I don't know if I'll ever always be able to overcome my fear. I might, I might, but it, but I need to outwit it. I know that it's there. I know my two fears are uh, not being good enough and not worthy. Those are my core fears. And how I came about this is I found out we are only born with two fears. We're born with the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. That's it. Everything else we've learned from our parents, from society, from teachers, from the news, from social media, from whatever. We have picked those up. We've learned those. So here's the good news is we can unlearn them. And again, my my insecurity, my distrust, those those are big things. And when I started looking at why, why do I have those? That's when I started peeling away the layers. And that's what outwitting fear does. It, when people go in and say, this is my presenting fear, this is my it's fear of failure or whatever it is that they're, we talk about in the course, they peel away and get down to that core fear. What's really driving that? And then when you know what that is, because now, now and again, my fear of not being good enough will pop up or a situation will happen and I'll say, wait, Is that from me, from my past of not being good enough? Or am I just pissed or am I just angry about the situation? But it gives me the tools to identify what it is. And I know in your bio, you talk about that. You talk about sometimes it's really hard to face those fears. Sometimes we just don't have the energy. But it's when you face them is when you find the freedom. And I know a lot of your listeners, I know that there's times that I did not want to walk through that fire. I did not want to go through it. But to have freedom and healing, I had to. And so many times it's not as bad as I, you actually think it's going to be. And also on the other side of it, you can say, I did it. I rose above that. And that's the beauty is when you rise above it. And I, I was the queen of avoiding. I was joking with somebody the other day that I would sweep so many things under the rug because I wouldn't want to face it that I finally started tripping over the rug because there was so much crap underneath it. But again, when I started taking responsibility and going, okay, let me face this because I can't heal if I don't face it. So one of the things, one of my favorite things we do in Outwitting Fear, and it's a video base. So I'm on video. I walk through it. It's like you and I right now talking, and then people walk and they answer questions and they dig into their own lives. They can pause. It takes about an hour. Um, 
is that when someone feels trapped, when somebody feels that angst, that anxiety, that something that's really pushing their buttons, and it, my buttons that are being pushed may not be the same as yours, the question is why? And typically there's a fear when you feel that trap. And that's when you go, okay, let me look at this. Why am I feeling this? And it's, I, I've done this globally. I've done it around the world. And the feedback has been phenomenal. I did this program for a company and the director said, a lot of our people are from overseas, the Netherlands and things, and they won't share. Just so you know, they're not going to share because that's just their culture. So I sent them the program ahead of time so we could discuss it. And they started sharing. And the director was like, I cannot believe it. And the first guy said, I, my fear, I thought I was just being lazy and a procrastinator. But when I did the program and I got down, down to it, I was afraid I wouldn't be loved. And the director was on the Zoom and he was like, oh my God, I can't believe he just said that. We were done with a call at 4.30 United States time. He emailed me at 7.30 and said, after I got off the Zoom, they're still on the call, the team, discussing their fears and how they can work better together, acknowledging each other's fears. Wow. I was blown away. So validation is a good thing. Yeah. Good for you. That's, that's, it's not even my story or my experience, but you sharing it, I could, I felt gladness, right? I felt that some people call that warm, fuzzy feeling, right? So that's amazing. That's, and that's exactly why we do what we do, why we put ourselves out there, especially people that are empaths by nature people you know okay, i can i can hear that and see that in yourself um it's very validating when we get told you know like for yeah. me i'm a real firm believer of the five love languages one of my favorite oh, all-time books and i literally words of affirmation for me as an empath are huge yeah. so to get that validation from from them is is truly amazing and the validation you got as well prior from that one of your clients that said hey give her a break like look what she's going through or the ones reaching out to you and saying um you know okay you got this going on let's figure it out i get it you don't have any life goes on (laughs) but all those little things that you've talked to talk to uh, the listeners and i about are things that if we had been taught to key and trigger on those types of things we would have little hiccups not valleys right right? great that you have the realization now about that stuff in the past but even then it was still wasn't enough to help you completely rise above the noise right so Mm -hmm. but it's 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 healing things it's things that now you're utilizing in your in your move to go forward of giving a heck about others and indirectly and directly, people don't realize as you care more for others and you learn from your mistakes and you learn to be a good storyteller and be vulnerable, it literally continues to help you the rest of your life rise above the noise, right? So right, continually. And, and we were talking about earlier, so many people have something going on. When I finally, I was on stage for Texas Women in Business and I don't remember why. I wasn't the president at the time, but I was up there doing something and I finally said, I have to stop. I have to tell you really what's going on in my life. And I verbally vomited everything that was going on. And I can't tell you how many women were lined up at the side of the stage when I came down and said, thank you for being honest. Thank you for saying what's going on. Because this is what's going on in my life. I'm having to fake about this. I'm going through this. I'm dying on the inside. And I think the more all of us tell our story, all of us have a story to tell. The more it, it's, it's going to help other people, first of all, to realize they're not alone. You know, we all have something and we can help each other. We can oh, help absolutely. each other. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the biggest thing is, is in life, we, we get so self-absorbed in our own six inches in our own trials and tribulations we don't know how to escape them. So then we miss the signs of others in our lives that have trauma, 
that are going through their own trials and tribulations that could use a kind word. We're not mm -hmm. getting a kind word. We're not giving out a kind word. We're all living on that hamster wheel. And it, it is a, it really is an epidemic in our, in our culture around not just North America, the world. So it's, it's refreshing to know that one more person yourself, that being you is doing and learning from the past. And again, the past is not indicative of our future future, but it leaves behind there's clues mm -hmm. just like that's that saying success leaves clues while you leveling up there's clues in the past and we have to accept it. It doesn't mean that you have to live for the past. It means you learn from the past, right? And congratulations mm -hmm. on doing that. And, and, continuing to rise above the noise to help others because you don't know how many people you're going to help but every one person you help is one more person that's not living a life of quiet desperation because yeah. you and I both know that is a painful place to live it's a very lonely place yes it is very, very lonely yeah so. I always I think of it as the worst time of my life and the best time of my life yeah yeah it, there's a yin and yang to everything right so yeah Thank you for sharing about that. So what part has fear played in your relationships and business in your life? Like how we've talked a little bit about fear, but how, how is it two played together between your relationships and business? Like you've touched on some of it, but I'd like you to share more if you could in regards to how fear has played a part in your relationships and business to where you've been. That's where you're an going. easy one. And I didn't realize that I always thought fear was like over here or in my personal life. And I'm not kidding. We, we, we have an apartment in Austin. So I'm at the apartment and I was right over there and I was walking to go somewhere and I went, Oh wait, I fear my fear goes with me everywhere. It's just not in my personal life. And it's not in that all of a sudden I went, Oh crap it's everywhere. And when I started again, I use an analogy of peeling back the onion and looking back how fear. And again, there's, basically five core fears, which are not being loved, not trusting, which is for abuse victims. That's a biggie. Um, not good enough, not worthy and being alone. Those are the five. But when I know my two of not good enough, you may, you know how many times I undervalued myself and my pricing and our agency pricing, because I, what my fear was, I wasn't good enough. So I can tell you right then, and that was a big one. And I, I would guarantee so many of your listeners do the same. They undervalue their creativity, their brilliance, what they're good at. Well, you get what, surfaces. what you think about, and you mentioned that earlier, I just stated a little bit different. What you think, of, what you think about goes out to the universe and expands. Yeah. And one of the things in the conferences I mentioned to you that I was in this past, past week and weekend, they talked about part of that was the value of your services and they had people that were you know here's the mic well i'm gonna charge this amount and we get what you charge so if you undervalue you get that type of person and sometimes having a higher rate you're gonna get you will get a higher selective level of clientele yeah. because they're not more people in my life have balked at like as i coach clients and businesses and stuff they balk at you know, oh, this person's charging this many hundred dollars an hour. And they're always, they better give their value. But if you charged a thousand dollars an hour, the client that's willing to pay that thousand because it, it, it's way higher is normally not going to do the same garbage. They're right. just going to, okay, right. I'll show you the money. You show me the value. Let's have that synergized Let's relationship. It. Let's do it. Let's go out yeah. and slay it because they realize money is an investment. It is a tool in the hands of others to do great things. But so many people are reactive to money because they don't understand it. That like, as you mentioned, right, they just, yeah. And you start questioning, am I charging too much? Am I charging not enough? Am I charging not enough? And, and, yeah. and am I, am I like undercutting myself because I I'm afraid they're going to say no, or they're not going to see my value. And I, the very first time when all this really came about in my brain of, oh my gosh, 
what have I been doing? And again, I didn't realize it. I didn't actively go, hey, let's undervalue ourselves. That wasn't like, that would be fun. I would just, the minute we'd put a price out, I would go, well, maybe, maybe it should be, maybe they, you know, I would just start second guessing. So when I realized what my fear was, I was approached by a senator to help them do some marketing, uh, brand, personal branding. And we put together a proposal and this was after the agency got, I mean, this was in the last six months and put together a proposal, sent it over to him. And he called me back or he emailed me and said, great, I'm good with everything, but I only have enough in the budget to pay for half, to pay half. But when do you want to get started? The old me would have been like, well, he's really cool. He's a Senator. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I would have made up whatever story in my head to justify, need the money, anything. And I wrote him back and I said, oh, thank you so much for the opportunity to meet with you and talk with you. But if we only charge half, that means I'm going to have to cut the hours involved in half and we wouldn't be doing you a service. We would, it would be a waste of your time and our time. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. And that was the best freeing email to stand up for my value. And I didn't hear from him ever again. He didn't come back and say, okay, I'll do it. But well, it because he was trying to, to manipulate you too, though. Let's right. be real, right? The old me would have fallen for it because I would have been, well, like I said, it would have been worth it. I need the money. I want to make sure somebody else on the team's got, but I called her and said, I'm not going to do this. And they said, thank you my other team member that was going to be working with me, they said, thank you. Cause we know we always give more. We always give more hours than we even say we are, but to give more and then be paid less. So it was beautiful. So that's how it's applied to myself in business. Well, good for you. Congratulations. Yeah. Because sometimes we just have to be firm in our convictions and, and what yeah. it is that we offer. And, and I'm good at what time, I do time. Yeah. Time continues on whether we do or not, right? Time is infinite, but finite for us. So if you're going to give, or I'm going to give time to somebody, you're going to pay for it because I'd sooner honestly not work, spend more of my life with my adult children, with my grandkids, with friends, building memories, right? Right. Because life can be snuffed out in an instant, right? So it's okay to value ourselves listeners. If, if you're constantly giving away your stuff and, and as LB mentioned, we give more hours and we end up quoting to begin with. Now, if you undervalue and you give somebody a discount, that's another thing, you know, I have very famous. Why are you giving the discount? That talk about the fact you should never give a discount ever, Mm -hmm. ever doesn't matter if you're running a Shopify store or running an e-commerce store on Amazon or your services, you're just service-based and it's your expertise you're selling. If you give somebody a discount, it's that in their mindset too. never yeah. devalue yourself. Don't have black Friday. Like I remember one of the conversations in a mastermind. Oh, the, this was last year. Black Friday's coming up. You know, what do you think about us discounting this and that so we can get more of our courses sold or more of this product sold? Like there was a bunch of conversations that went on and he resoundingly and he said, absolutely never should you discount. And this gentleman owns um, First Form. He's actually out of St. Louis and he owns Supplement Superstore. And he says, I don't believe in it. I absolutely do not believe in it because they're then they're always waiting for that next sale or that next sale. And if you truly believe in your product and your, or your services, you're the same cost 365, right? Yeah. You're not discounting, right? It's just a mindset, even, you know, t-shirts, whatever Which the case talked about. Be, it doesn't really matter if you want to sell it, you know, buy one, get one free and, you know, promotion, stuff like that. It's, it's like a pat on the back. That's fine. You're not really discounting. You're saying, you know what, this week we're going to, you're going to buy one, get one. A lot of stores do it. It's very successful, but I won't do that on my brand. I'm not going to, you buy one hour. I'll give you one hour. That's not going to happen. Right. Because that hour I give away for free is still my hour that I could have been That's right. hanging out with somebody. Yeah. I could have been, 
I could have been binge watching Netflix, a good doc, <laughs> a, a good series I like, or watching a documentary or listening to a podcast. Or Learn something. To, yeah. I could have been doing anything to level up and continue to rise above the noise instead of giving you a free hour and giving you the ability to devalue who I am. And my life experiences have gotten to me where I'm at, just like you all be. So good for you. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I remember so many times when we were very active in our advertising, people would say, hey, can, I would love to meet you and, and, and spend time with you. And can I buy a cup of coffee or a glass of wine? And I'd be like, sure. And then they would pick my brain for creative ideas or marketing ideas. And all of a sudden it dawned on me, oh, wait, everybody's wanting a free piece of me. And that's when I was like, no. I'm not going to give this away. And, and that goes back to the creative side. I would, I finally realized the creativity that we would bring and the way we would buy the media was making them hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I'm going to undercut me for giving them the creative ideas to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. I was like, wait, what's wrong here? And that's just like that Senator, just like that Senator. We only have half the budget. You know yeah, what? Sure you do. BS. <laughs> yeah, I know. You, you wanted just to, don't want to spend you, it. You just don't want to spend it or you want to spend it on golf trip or whatever. You know, you want to spend it on a fancy cocktail party and whatever. So you want me to devalue myself and give away part of me for a discount so that you can, can I don't, sorry if you're listening and you're a politician, I don't <laughs> trust 90% of you. And I have friends I went to school with that we're no longer friends that they're in politics because it's like, there's a, like a cult brainwashing thing that goes on, but anyway, we won't get into that. We won't go. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. That's, that's another rabbit hole. We can, we can challenge each other on later. So LB, if you had to give our listeners one last closing message, what would you tell them in regards to giving a heck and never giving up? one last piece of advice we've talked about it i i think how we talk to ourselves is critical that gets you either gets you out of bed or keeps you in bed it it helps you rise above or not if your words are my life sucks it's going to be a dark gloomy day I'm never going to get ahead. One time I heard this guy say, and I thought it was brilliant. He said, you want to know your future? You want to be a fortune teller? Listen to what you're saying to yourself today, because in five years, that's what it's going to be. Or in two years. So I would say, put your antenna up for the next, jeez, 10 minutes, maybe. Some maybe for 24 hours, but put that antenna up. And catch your ta- yourself every single time you, you start talking negative about yourself. First of all, why are you? What is it? Go down, peel that onion down a little bit, but stop. Turn it around. Just turn it around or just stop. If you can't turn around, stop it. You will be amazed at how your attitude, because your attitude is key to rising above. It oh, really absolutely. is. And it's only you... I can't control Dwight. I can't control my kids. I can't control anything out here, but I can control me. So take control, take control, live your life on purpose. It's your choice. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That's a great closing message. So while our time is almost up, I want to respect our listeners in your time. However, before we end, can you please tell the listeners what is the best way to reach you? It is. You can reach me at lisabeththomas.com. And it's, it's spelled like it sounds, Lisa Beth Thomas with an H.com. Outwitting Fear link to the course is there. And I did put in there, it's, if you put in the promo code podcast, it's 10% off. So it takes about an hour. And I promise you, you will find freedom from your fear. You're gonna find some insights. It's not painful. It is so worth it. I promise you. It, it, again, it doesn't take but an hour. So that's Amazing. the best way. That's the best way. And my email's attached to that. And I've had people that have heard me speak or on podcast. And if you don't have somebody in your life that you feel 
and this is to your listeners, that you feel like you can open up and say, this is really what's going on in my world and I can't tell anybody, email me. I've been there. So I'm happy to listen and be there. If nothing else, listen, because sometimes that's all we need. So please reach out. Please reach out. Thank you so much. I'll make sure all this goes in the show notes. Listeners, you again can find that at giveaheck.com forward slash podcast. You can access information about the show and Mm -hmm. look at the basic show notes. And I'll ensure that all the connection information for LB is in there, as well as the promo code for podcasts so that you can uh, utilize that special promotion. So thanks so much for being on Give a Heck, LB. I appreciate your time and sharing your experiences so that others too can learn it is never too late to give a heck. Thank you for taking time out of your day and listening to Give a Heck. If you find value, I'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and family so they too can learn how to live life on purpose, not by accident. So you do not miss the next episode. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and please also post a review. I look forward to reading your comments. This has been Dwight Heck. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or today's show notes, please check out my website, giveaheck.com. And until next time, together let us all strive to give a heck.